0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I want to welcome you. am so glad you're here uh, to, to worship with us this morning and uh, dive into Scripture together. want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Philemon. We have just wrapped up last week a a study uh, the last four months working through the book of Colossians and we finished that up and uh, you may or may not be aware of this but Colossians came with with Colossians part two and that is the book of Philemon. Most likely Philemon was Uh, sent at the same time as this, the letter that, to the Colossians and sent to the same place. And, and so we're gonna dive into that today as, as kind of a, uh, closing final mark of, of what we've been looking at in Colossians. And really, what Philemon does is it takes all that is written in Colossians and applies it to one specific situation. One specific idea, one specific, uh, one specific character. ...here in this church in Colossae. And so we're going we're gonna to dive in here and, and look into this. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and then let's begin reading in Philemon. Father, as we have already worshipped you this morning and continue to do so as we study your word, we recognize that as we've just sung, we are joining with all of creation in celebrating your goodness and responding to who it is that you have created us to be. And so as uh, life grows and celebrates you by being the life that you've created, we too want to grow and celebrate your goodness by being the human beings that you've created us to be. And so as we as we dive into your word this morning and we study and we learn may our response to be to these words to worship, to acknowledge your goodness, to your grace, and then respond to your goodness and grace in ways that are appropriate. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay. Philemon, not chapter one, because there's only one chapter. So this is a great, if you are ever thinking, man, I really would like to read a book of the Bible. Philemon is your book, because you could do it real quick. Philemon, verse one. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we... uh, we're beginning here, and if if you look at this letter, if you look at the introduction of this letter, and you just flip back to Colossians real quick, what you'll notice is that the, the opening to this letter is actually very similar. And we'll see this again in the next couple of verses here. But Colossians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So we have the same people who are writing but we're written instead of to the holy people in Colossae in, in verse 2 of Colossians. It's just this is specifically to Philemon and to the church that meets in his home, which is the Colossian church. So here we have already a little bit of who Philemon is. Philemon would have been a, a, a wealthy person in the city of Colossae. And it appears as though this church is meeting in his house. So uh, so this letter is brought to, to the church that is being read, but then there's also a specific letter that's written to Philemon, but the, the context of this and the expectation appears to be that Philemon would have also been reading this letter, or this letter would have been being read publicly for Philemon to hear in, in here. And, and essentially what's, what's being written about here is Philemon had a slave named Onesimus and somehow this slave named Onesimus has run away from Philemon has left under uh, not so great circumstances and through these circumstances has somehow found his way to Paul and now Paul is is in prison probably in Ephesus and he's he's in prison and Philemon makes his way or Onesimus makes his way to Paul and and they Start up a relationship and we'll see how this relationship unfolds as we read through the letter. But what's happening now is this runaway slave Onesimus is being sent back to Philemon with this letter that we're about to read. And he's and he's carrying this letter. And and so Paul sends him back to to his owner and says, "Okay, take this letter. And and here's what we're going to read in the context here. So verse four. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. And again, just take a look at Colossians again real quick. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love than the love you have for all of God's people. So again, we have a very similar introduction here that Paul is saying, thanking God for you, my prayers, I've heard, heard about your love for God's people and your faith in Jesus. So again, these these parallels are happening between, uh, between these initial letters. But then here is, here's where we get a little bit of a divergence here. In verse 6, he says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective. Sorry, just a second. I'm going to fiddle with this real quick. Sorry. Is that maybe better? If if it's causing problems, I'll switch to the handheld. If we if it keeps coming. Um, okay. So our our partnership with you. Uh, okay, I'm just going to switch. all right okay we, we ordered some new microphones so they're coming next week uh, so uh, he's praying for their partnership in the Lord with the Lord Jesus Christ pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed the heart's of the lord's people and this word partnership is a key word for us to understand here this morning and the the word is the word in, in the greek this word is the word koinonia and oftentimes this word gets translated fellowship uh it can get translated around the idea of community but here specifically in in this context this translation of partnership is a good one because it really implies this relationship that that Paul and Onesimus have is or Paul and Philemon have is is a business relationship it's a partnership in which they have if you think about those of you that that work with coworkers in your in your job you sit down together and you have a common goal maybe your goal is to to create a website or maybe your goal is to to put out an airplane or uh, to sell a product, but you have a common goal and, and you're working in this partnership. you sit down in your meetings in order to figure out how do we accomplish this goal most effectively and most efficiently. And so you sit down and say, okay, how are we going to sell more of this thing? Or how are we going to make the best website so that most people come and visit? Or how are we going to make a plane that doesn't explode? Or, you know, things like that. And and you're you're working towards this common goal. And, and so you work out these, and everybody has a different task. But the same goal, the same outcome is desired. And so when Paul uses this word and talks to to Philemon about this partnership that they have... He's saying, look, we have a shared objective, a shared goal together. And I am thanking God and I'm praying for this partnership that you have. And this partnership is in the faith. That it may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. This partnership we have is around the the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this partnership is we are working to proclaim, to announce, to be rooted in this message of the gospel of God. And my prayer, Paul says, my prayer for you is that that this partnership, this goal, this, this thing that we are working on together may be effective, that, that we'll do it well, that we'll carry out the task well so that we can bring into reality all of these good things that are happening in us because of the work of Christ so that, that we can partner together to respond faithfully to the gospel in a way that, that demonstrates and proves the message of this gospel in an effective way, which is what we do, again, in, in our work. In our, we're partnering together so that we can accomplish this goal effectively and efficiently. And Paul is saying, this is my prayer for us, Phile- Philemon. Me and you, we have this work of the gospel, this work that's rooted in our faith. And my prayer is that we can do it well that it will be effective. And then he gets into what specifically the purpose of this letter is, verse 8. Therefore, because of this, because of this, this prayer, this goal, of this partnership that we have, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. So Paul is saying, look, this, thing, this request that I'm about to make to you, I am in a position where I could really just tell you what to do. So we see there's a, there's a little bit of a hierarchy in this partnership. And Paul is saying, look, I could just tell you what to do, but I'm not going to do that. I'm appealing you out of, out of love. Again, this message of the gospel based in love. And, it is, and he says, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. So here you have this slave, Onesimus, has made his way to Paul, and somewhere within Paul's relationship with onesimus it appears that onesimus has become a christian and this is what paul means when he says he has become a son to me he's saying he's a, he's a son in the faith he is now uh he is now a believer and he's dear to me and he uses a kind of a play on words he says the the name onesimus means useful and so he says in verse 11 he says formerly he was useless to you but now he has become useful to me and you. He's making this plan where to say, "Look, this is the situation that Paul, that Onesimus is in. And, and it's important to understand that here is a runaway slave. This is what Paul means. he's useless. He's not doing anything for, for Philemon anymore. He's run away. And yet, now he's become a Christian, and Paul says, "Now he's become my son while I was in chains. And now he's both useful to you and he's useful to me. And so he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon. Now, first of all, we have to pause here and think about uh, what Onesimus must be thinking at this point. Right? Because he's he's shown up to Paul. And, and apparently, there's, there's a possibility that Onesimus already knew Paul through some through through perhaps his relationship with Philemon already as as Philemon's slave that Philemon and Paul knew each other obviously, and so Onesimus may have met Paul and, and perhaps that he made his way to Paul specifically thinking that Paul might be able to help him out in this situation, regardless of how that happened. you now have Onesimus who's become a Christian with Paul in prison. So we don't know if Onesimus himself made it was in prison with Paul or he just found Paul in prison and was visiting him. But regardless he's he's become a Christian and now Paul says, "Okay, Onesimus, here's a letter. Take this back to Philemon." And the consequences for for Onesimus to go back as a runaway slave and to be to be captured uh, are not positive consequences Uh, he could be he could be branded he could be tortured he could be killed there's all sorts of things that could happen to onesimus by going back and yet paul gives him this letter and he says he says go i i want you to go back to philemon and we should also pause here just to talk about uh slavery in general right uh paul is writing in a world in which slavery exists all over uh, we live in a world in which slavery still exists today, uh, but we culturally have come to a place where we say, hey, slavery is not a good thing. Uh, this was not the world that Paul is writing into, and we can look back on this and say, well, why doesn't Paul just say, like, you should never have any slaves? Uh, well, that's not the world he's writing to, and there's a context there that that we need to be aware of, and, and we can look back now and say, yes, uh, Slavery is a bad thing across the board. But this is the world in which Paul is writing to. And, to, and it's not up to us to necessarily say, well, I mean, this, this is what he would have known. And so uh, so we should just kind of step back and, and be aware of that and, and sort of the reprehensibleness of slavery in general and say, okay, well, this is, this is the world we're looking at. This is the world that's going on. There's still uh, consequences for what is going on here. And Paul is speaking to those things. And so he sends Onesimus back. And Onesimus has really a choice with this letter, right? I mean, we assume that he made it back to Philemon because we have this letter along with the Colossian letter. And so we assume that it was kept and read. And we know that Onesimus didn't just burn it and run off somewhere else. He probably made it back to Philemon. So, so something has happened in Onesimus. Something has happened in Onesimus to say, okay, here I was a runaway slave, I didn't want to be a slave anymore, and so I left, and now something has happened to me to send me back. And part of what we're going to talk about this this morning is what is happening in Onesimus, that he says, okay, yeah, I'm going to go back. So Paul is sending Onesimus back, and here we really get to the, the meat of the request that Paul is making here in verse 13. I would have liked to keep him, I would have liked to keep him with me, so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. So here is the request. Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon, and he doesn't say which you might maybe expect in this situation. Okay, I'm sending Onesimus back, and go easy on him, right? He's he's become a Christian now. He's sorry. Uh, take him back, and and just make don't don't punish him harshly, or maybe even don't even punish him at all. Just bring him back. But this isn't the request that Paul makes, is it? He doesn't say, oh, just, you know, take it easy on him. He says, welcome him back. But he doesn't say welcome him back as a slave. Instead, he says, uh, verse 16, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Brother. And then he says in verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. He says, you welcome, when you see Onesimus, your runaway slave, don't see him as Onesimus, see him as Paul. Treat him as you would treat me, welcoming me into your household. And so, armed with this letter, Paul sends Onesimus back. He expects Onesimus to complete the journey. And he expects Philemon to honor the request. Something is happening in this world that Paul is writing to where Paul thinks this is going to work. This actually makes sense. And our question is, why? What's going on in this world of of slavery and and all of this uh, wickedness that's going on that Paul says, okay, here's what I think should happen. Onesimus, you go back. Philemon, you welcome him not back as a slave and go easy on him, but welcome him back as a brother, as me. And here's why. Let's flip back to Colossians. We're going to take a look at just a couple verses here. Because remember, these, these two letters would have been read together. They would have been read at the same time uh, in Philemon's home. And we have some context of what Paul understands about the world where he can make a request like this and expect it to be carried out. So in Colossians chapter 1, Paul has this understanding and he's, he's talking about who Christ was. And the work of Christ. And in verse 19 he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. We've looked at this uh, just last week. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So here Paul is writing and he says, Here's what Christ has done. That you were enemies of God. You were once useless to God. And yet, through Christ, you have become useful. That you were once separate from God, but through the work of Jesus Christ, you have now become God's children. He, through Christ's work, you have been reconciled. Turn back uh, to Romans chapter 5. Paul really fleshes out this argument through through several chapters of the book of Romans. And we're just going to look at some highlighted verses here to see what Paul believes about the world, that he believes that this is the kind of request that he can make. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, he says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And then in chapter 8, verse 14, he says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So Paul has an understanding that what Christ has done through the cross is that we were once slaves to sin, that we were once held in captivity and bondage to our sinful nature, but that what Christ has done on the cross is that as we were separated from God, Christ extended his arms and bridged the divide between us and God. That we were here on one side and God was here on the other and that through Christ we have been reconciled to God. And because of this, not only are we restored, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But not only were we restored back to a position, uh, a low position, but it says that we have been restored to a position of sonship that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are on equal ground to how God sees Christ, that this is how he now sees us as his children, as his sons and his daughters, that we have been adopted into God's family and that he sees us as he sees Christ. And this is Paul's understanding. We have been set free from the slavery to sin and now are welcomed in As his children. And so Paul has this understanding. That on the cross. Christ stood. Between us and God with open arms. Bringing reconciliation. Inviting us into God's family. And this message. This letter that he's writing to Philemon here. uh, Which doesn't mention the cross at all. It applies the cross. Uh, This letter that he's writing to Philemon. Only makes sense. If we understand first the work of Christ on the cross. And so if you're here today, and I want you to understand this, this is only going to make sense if you understand God's love for you. And that God loves you so much that while you are sinners, while you are useless to God, we have nothing to offer Him. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, for you. Because he loves you. And because of the work of Christ, we are now united with God in our relationship. We are now declared sons of God. It's not anything that you can do to earn that. It's simply by accepting this free gift of the cross of Christ. And because Paul has done this, because Paul understands this, Paul now stands between Onesimus and Philemon. And that Onesimus is over here, divided from Philemon, and Philemon is over here. And Paul stands now in between them with open arms. And he invites them to see one another as a family. He stands with open arms bringing reconciliation. He says, if there's any debt owed to you, put it on my account. Paul, understanding the work of Christ, now enacts the work of reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. And he says, in the same way that Christ has done this for us and God. Now I am doing this between Onesimus and Philemon. And so Paul is applying the message of the cross, this message of reconciliation, not just to what God is, has done, but now to these relationships that he sees between this runaway slave and his master. And so as we as we reflect on what does this letter mean and what do we, how do we respond to this, the first thing we have to understand is that reconciliation is costly. Paul does not expect... Paul is not writing into a world where this makes sense. Right? He, he recognizes that this is a big ask for Philemon. That there's all kinds of cultural things that... I mean, you imagine Onesimus, or Philemon probably had more than just the one slave, Onesimus. And here Onesimus comes back and all of his other slaves see... If, if he actually does this, say, oh, here's how this could work for me too, right? Uh, this is going to cause more problems for Philemon and his and his relationships. This is going to cause problems for Philemon in the world in which he lives in, which, where you don't do this to a runaway slave. You don't welcome him back as a brother. All kinds of social impacts that are going on. Paul understands all of this. He's not just saying, hey... It's not a big deal. You know, slavery, like, we shouldn't have slaves anymore. Like, this, isn't, this wouldn't have made sense in this world. And yet Paul is writing to them, and he's a, he, he knows that he's asking a lot, and yet he expects it to be done. And we see that reconciliation is costly. When Paul talks, as we looked uh, a few weeks ago, when Paul talks in Colossians chapter 3 about putting off this old self, putting off these anger and rage and malice. You can imagine uh, an angry Philemon in the room uh, with Onesimus. And when Paul says, uh, instead, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, these are not just ideas that Paul is saying, hey, feel a little bit more compassion towards people. This gets played out in this relationship right here in the room. It says, here's what compassion looks like. Here's what kindness looks like. Because of the cross, these aren't just feelings that we have for one another. These are things that we live and act out with the people around us. And so, as we reflect on this costly work of reconciliation that Paul does between Onesimus and Philemon, the question is for each of us, and and perhaps there are more than one answer, who are you in this story? First of all, you're Onesimus to God. And, And Christ is doing the work of reconciling you back to God. And now, as you've responded to that, what is your response in your relationships? Are you Onesimus. And perhaps as we read this letter here this morning, you hear Paul sending you back to somebody that you thought you might never have to see again. With this letter, inviting you to become brothers and sisters. Inviting you to ask for forgiveness inviting you to work and model to reveal a message of reconciliation. Or maybe you're Philemon and you've been wronged and you've been hurt and you think that's somebody that I, I can't forgive them. And all of a sudden, they're showing up at your doorstep with this letter and you're being told to welcome them back as a brother or a sister because of the work of Christ. Or maybe, maybe you're Paul in this situation, and you know some people who have been divided and separated. You see two warring parties And you see the conflict. And you are coming with this letter to these two enemies. And you're saying, let's work towards reconciliation here in the name of Christ. And you are standing in between the two parties and saying, hey, what that person has done to you, put it on my account. I will take the brunt of that. I will take the fall. And this is hard work, right? I don't know about you, but I'm sure sure the Lord is putting somebody or some people on your heart here this morning. And it's not just ideas anymore. It's not just a theory that we talk about when it becomes flesh and blood people around us. And yet, if we believe and celebrate this message of reconciliation, it's not just true one time, but it's true in every single relationship. And we're invited to see in this short little letter about a world that is very different from our own, that it's actually not so different from our own. Paul stands between Philemon and Onesimus with open arms. Bringing reconciliation because he has seen a God who stands between us and our God. He's seen Christ who stands between us and God proclaiming a message of reconciliation. And this is possible because of the example of Christ. Let's pray. God, as we. uh, desire to worship you in our lives. We desire to worship you uh, not just with our voices, but with our actions. We recognize that you are a God who works reconciliation. And so that for us to worship and celebrate a God of reconciliation, we too must be people of reconciliation. And so we ask for the courage knowing that this is not easy work. It's not a simple task. Give us humility both to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness. Give us the boldness to stand between people who are warring. and to invite them back into a relationship. May we see ourselves not as separate, but as your children, brothers and sisters. God, we can't do this work on our own. Help us. Amen. So for uh, Onesimus and Philemon, they had a little bit of a problem, and that was they're probably sitting in that room together right as these letters were being read. Uh, we have a little bit easier in that maybe that person that you've been thinking about that the Lord has put on your heart is in this room with you, but they don't necessarily know it. You're not being called out by name here this morning. Uh, but my challenge for you today, if if the Lord has been putting a specific relationship on your heart this morning, uh, deal with it today. Don't say, oh yeah, I should do that in a couple of weeks or maybe in a month. Uh, do it today. And if the person that you need to contact says, why are you calling me? Say, well, there's this letter about this slave and this owner and they're supposed to become brothers and, and because of the cross... I think you and I are supposed to become brothers and sisters again. May you have the courage and the humility and the strength to proclaim a message of reconciliation in your lives, in your relationships, today and every day.